0: A reading from Luke 18, verses 35 through 43. Hear now the word of the Lord. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the word of the Lord. Be to
1: God. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. I was uh, reminded of a story about a, a, a man who was out hiking. And we'll just call it the Around Mount Rainier. Let's just, let's just put it in context. There was a man out hiking around Rainier and he was walking along the trail and it was actually a, uh, along a ledge, along a cliff, and some of the rocks gave way and he slipped off the ledge and he was sliding down and he, there was a tree branch growing out of the side of the cliff. And so he grabbed onto it and he was hanging there. There was nobody around, nobody to hear his cry for help. And he's wondered, how long can I hang on here before, you know, I, my muscles give way? And he said, and, and he wasn't particularly a believer in anything, but he decided to pray. And he said, uh, if there's a God up there, I could use a little help right about now. And so he prayed this prayer, and, and out of the sky came an audible voice. He could hear it clearly. How can I help you? What can I do for you? And he said, well, I'm in a little bit of a predicament here. I'm on the side of a cliff. I, I, I think I'm going to fall. Can you help me? And God said to him, do you believe in me? <laughs> and then another question, do you trust me? And the guy thought, well, you know, I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess I believe in you. You're talking to me, right? Yeah, but do I trust you? Good question. He said, well, yeah, I got nothing to lose at this point. Yes, I trust you. And uh, God says, We'll let go of the branch. He said, Now, wait a second. I, if I let go of the branch, I'm going to die. And he says, Do you trust me? And A man says, Thinks, and he thinks really hard at this time. And he finally comes to the con- this conclusion. He, he yells up back up at the sky Is there anybody else up there I can talk to? <laughs> Faith. <laughs> trust that's an old preacher joke my apologies if you've heard it before but I think this is this connection this man is crying out to Jesus and it's interesting because Jesus says to him receive your sight your what your faith has healed you your faith has healed you which I always find perplexing I don't know if you find this perplexing but I'm thinking wait I thought Jesus healed him but, he, but Jesus says to him, your faith has healed you. Your, your faith has made you well. And, and there are different ways to translate this uh, word heal or made well or rescue or save or other ways you could translate that verse. But he's saying it's your faith. And I, and I think, well, and that's where we may get into this situation where we may start to think, well, if I just have more faith, then God will heal me. If I just have more faith, then God will change the situation, like somehow, but but that's still transactional, isn't it, in our relationship with God? And we think about, all right, God, if I, just, if I just believe more, if I just trust more, then God will heal me, but yet it's Jesus who did the healing. We have to remember that. But we find this verse kind of perplexing, and Jesus says this often, and we also see other parts of the gospel where Jesus says nothing could be done because there was no faith. So there's obviously a connection between faith and healing or salvation or rescue. There's a connection here. Even though I'm not the person who's gonna say, well, if you just believe enough, God will heal you. I think God works in different ways, in different situations. But ultimately, the question for me is do I trust God even if I'm not healed? <laughs> do I trust that God is up to something, that God is, that has something bigger in mind even if I'm not healed? Because it really is a matter of faith even if I'm not physically healed. I would also remind us that everybody that Jesus healed is dead. It was temporary. So there was something more going on here. There was something more that Jesus wanted to do and God wanted to do in this healing and in any type of healing or rescue or salvation. There's a bigger picture that God has and it has more to do with us and our souls more than it has to do with our bodies, probably. Not that those two aren't connected. So Jesus says this. But I want you to notice some of his faith because his faith is a big part of this connection and a part of this, what's happening in his life. The first thing I would point out to you is that he gives us a profession of faith, meaning he proclaims his faith. He starts His starting point is, I believe in Jesus. He cries out, Son of David, which was basically saying, I believe who you say you are, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the one who can heal me. So there's belief here before he, he, he even begins saying anything else. There's a profession of faith. It says in Hebrews eleven six six that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so faith, so the first part we have to understand is that he has to believe that Jesus is the source of salvation and rescue and renewal and healing and recreation. God says that we become new creations in Christ. So we have to believe that first. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's kind of a prerequisite to what's happening here because think of it this way. If the man doesn't believe that Jesus, who Jesus is, what does the man not do? He doesn't ask. He doesn't cry out. Jesus just walks on by, and that man goes on being blind. Why? Because he didn't believe. So it's his belief that actually leads him to the ask, (laughs) to the request of Jesus. So his profession of faith, his belief in Jesus, is actually what causes him to cry out because he believes that Jesus can answer his prayer. Now, the second part of what he says is, I would actually say, is his confession of faith. It's his confession of faith. Have mercy on me. Do do you hear in that confession that, what is he saying? I am in need. I have a need. I need your help. That's a confession. To say to God, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I can't go through this alone. God, I need your help. That is a confession. That is humility. That is to say to God, God, I need you in my life. And I think a lot of times we, we, wanna, we, wanna, we may believe, we may profess faith, but we actually don't want to confess faith. <laughs> we want to do it on our own. We don't want to need. We don't want to be humble. <laughs> but he's got nothing to lose. He's got nothing to lose. The Greek Orthodox Church has a wonderful prayer. Uh, it's a, a prayer from, uh, from uh, the that they practice, and it's a daily prayer, meaning that they don't just pray it once a day; they pray it throughout the day. So they teach in the Greek Orthodox Church this very simple prayer called the Jesus Prayer. And, and they say the Jesus prayer, and they go through the day repeating this prayer over and over again. And the reason that they find this prayer helpful is because it does two things. It is a, both a profession and a confession at the same time. It professes who Jesus is, and it confesses our need for Christ. And so here's the prayer. I thought I'd share it with you. I've prayed it before, and I wanna share it with you. It's this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Do you see that? It's a profession of faith that who Jesus is, it identifies who Jesus is, he's the Lord, he's the Son of God, and then it puts me in my right relationship with him, which is sinner, (laughs) need. (laughs) Does that make sense to you, right? So there's two things going on. So let's all, actually, let's all read that again together out loud. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what, that's what this blind man is saying to Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. This is a prayer that you can pray, I can pray every day as we go about our day. In fact, I'd encourage you to try it out. Uh, try it the rest of the day or try it tomorrow as you go about your day. It's easy to remember and as you go through your day and as you remember or as something goes on or you're, you know, so, so I find it very helpful when I'm in a situation that I didn't expect to be in <laughs> and I pray, have mercy on me, a sinner, right? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Great prayer, simple prayer. It's a way to pray without seizing, as, as, seizing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good too. Ceasing, uh, just checking, are you still with me? Right, You guys, seeing if you're paying attention. That's what, all right. So, so I thought about it. So here's this profession of faith, there's a confession of faith, and everything's going along nicely except there's a problem here. There's a problem in that Jesus is not hearing the blind man. Now, it's not that Jesus doesn't want to hear the blind man. I think we know that Jesus wants to hear his cry. We know that Jesus actually wants to be in relationship with the blind man. We know that he wants to get to him, but he is not hearing. And one of the things we're talking about today is the fact that God hears us, that we are heard by God when we cry out. But I would say to you that even in this passage, there's something getting in the way of Jesus hearing the one who wants to hear, the one who desires to hear, the one who wants to heal. There's something in the way. What is it, you, if you heard the passage? What's in the way of the, Jesus hearing the man? The crowd, right, the crowd. Now, I thought we'd have a little lesson today on communication. I always think it's good to remind ourselves how to communicate and how we communicate. So let's go back to communication 101. This is it right here in this image, right? You have a message, a sender, that's the blind man. He is sending a message that he wants Jesus to hear and he sends this message hoping that Jesus will respond. Isn't that what we hope for when we cry out to God? We send this message to God and we're hoping that God will respond. But there's no feedback to Jesus. There's no, there's no, uh, the, the, he's not being heard. There's no response. So that means the message is not getting through, right? That's where we're at. So there are two reasons messages don't go through. And this is true for you can take this home with you today. You can apply it to any relationship you have with anybody, anywhere. This will hold true. So, first of all, the first thing that gets in the way, which is the crowd, is a distraction. I can get distracted, my message can get distracted. There can be a distract, can we please leave that image up? Yeah, great, because we're talking about this for a, a little bit. So you can get distracted by something in the environment that the message is being sent. In this environment, it's the crowd, it's the noise of the crowd, it's the, it's the position of the crowd between him and Jesus. So there's a distraction that Jesus doesn't hear him, because remember, Jesus is in human form, <laughs> He is limited by his abilities, because of his human form, so he is naturally doing this. Ken, have you ever had somebody have you ever not heard somebody when they cried out to you? A uh, uh, parents, Have you ever had a kid cry out to you and you didn't hear them? Because you were distracted? by something or, or you, you, you cry, students, you, you said something to a professor and you try to get your professor's attention but the professor is looking at the board or something else and focused on something else. They're distracted, they don't hear you. They don't hear your question. They don't see your hand being raised. Or wives, have you ever tried to get your husband's attention while they're watching the Seahawks game? Or, or, or vice versa, husbands, have you tried to get your wives' attention while they're watching the Seahawks game? And they're like, and, and they're, your message doesn't go through. Why? Because there's a distraction. There's a game on, there's, a, there's something else that the person is paying attention to or sometimes they can even be looking at you and not hear what you have to say because they're distracted in their own mind. So distractions get in the way, that's what's going on here for the reason, one of the reasons the man is not being heard is there's something, there's a distraction. The other thing, and this is the one that I think we often forget about, and that's the little, see the little blue bubbles up above each person? It's, that's, that, and it's got a T in there for translator. When we communicate, we all have translators. You know, Any Star Trek fans here? Anybody watch Star Trek, right? I, I wish I had one of those for every relationship. Just can you translate this for me? you know, just put it out there and it translates everything for me, right? Because actually this is what's happening. We don't understand it. We all think, hey, everybody's speaking English or everybody's speaking the same language. No, we're not. Because our translators and our internal translators are at work. So even now, my brain is translating my thoughts, my concepts into words. You're listening to those words. You're retranslating what I'm saying into your brain. You may not be hearing them the way I intend for you to hear them because of your translator and my translator, see? So we do that. And so the other thing that can be happening is that our translations can be off. Now, I actually think this happens all the time in society, in our world. I could choose any given news cycle week of the week and show you this. Check out the news. Next week, I could do this. I could do it last week. But over the past two weeks, what's been in the news? What's that? Huh? Supreme Court. Nomination and uh, uh, sworn in, I believe, uh, last I checked, right? Kavanaugh. So if you observe that, you can see the translation happening. And I'm not, this is not about politics, but it is about politics in terms of translation, right? So here, here, here's what I'm saying. Here's the example. So I want you to look at your translators for a minute. And we'll use the Kavanaugh case as the, as, the, as the presenting case this morning and look at how we translate it. Now I could do this next week or I could have done it a few weeks ago with another issue. We could choose, well, it doesn't matter what the issue is, we're all translating it differently. So here's how this works. So if I am a, so let's say, I am a tra- how my translation is going, because our translators are shaped by our human experience, by our thoughts, by our beliefs, by our assumptions, and th- that affects our translation, the lens through which we see it. So if I am a Democrat, and I'm looking at this situation, I am translating it from a Democratic point of view, Dem- uh, that, the Democratic Party point of view. So I'm gonna translate what's happening from that perspective. So my response, Right? My feedback, my response and feedback is going to be through that translation. If I'm a Republican, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to translate it through a Republican lens. In fact, if you check the news cycle now, it's now all about politics again. And who won and who lost and that type of thing, right? Because what's happening is the media is translating actually for us a little bit, like the crowd in this situation is translating. Now now let's change. So we could change political parties, depending on that. We we're gonna see it differently, we're gonna translate it differently. But if I'm a if I'm a if we look at the case between the, the accusation between Ford and Kavanaugh, then I start to, if I start to see it through the lens of an adolescent male in the 80s, which unfortunately I can do, I may start to give a lot more grace to Kavanaugh. Right? But if I'm a woman who's been assaulted, abused, in a toxic relationship with a man, or been taken advantage of by a man, and it happens, even in the 80s, then I'm gonna translate that so much differently, aren't I? And that's the problem, (laughs) is that we're not, we call it a hearing, (laughs) but we're not hearing each other. We're not listening to each other, whether it be political or gender, right? Or the other lens that I put on in this situation as I hear this case and I read these accusations, if I put on my dad lens, my dad of two daughters lens, you know what my translator says? Something totally different. My dad translator wants to get somebody, right? So that's what I, see what I'm, see how we start to translate differently what is going on? Bottom line is, we don't know the answer. We're all on the sidelines. We're all from a, we're all shaping our opinions and our responses to the message the media is giving us based on our translations. Now the bottom line is, regardless of the outcome of that particular case, we do know there's a problem within our society between uh, men, particularly men in power, who take advantage of women. And that is wrong. And that should not be stood for. And even if it, whether it did or did not happen in this particular incident, it does happen. <laughs> and it happens a lot. And it's not right. And I would say to you today that if you are in that situation, I do believe that God hears your cry and that God will respond to your cry. And I do believe that God wants to heal that situation. Know that I know, as your pastor. I don't get into it, I don't get caught up into it, but I need to say to you that I know, I know. And I can't say any more than that, but know that I know but let's get back to the text. You have to understand what is the crowd doing for blind Bartimaeus? Well, blind man. Bartimaeus is another synoptic gospel, another gospel lesson. What are they doing? What did they do to him? What did they say to him? Shh. They silenced him. (laughs) Why were they doing it? They were translating for him, weren't they? Maybe their translation was, don't interrupt Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his pilgrimage. This guy's too busy for you. That could have been their translation of the situation. So they say, shh, silence. Or maybe their translation is, we wanna be heard by Jesus. You need to be quiet. We want Jesus' attention. We want Jesus to respond to us. We want to get close to Jesus. We want to get near Jesus. You be quiet because you're competing with our need for Jesus. So shh, right, silence. That's their translation. The other translation may be, Jesus, you're not important enough for Jesus. Jesus. Maybe they've determined his worth in the eyes of Jesus. Who are they translating for at this point? Jesus. (laughs) They're translating, they're saying to him, or they're actually translating for Jesus, Jesus, you shouldn't spend your time with this guy. Right? The crowd is not only the distraction, the crowd is the translator for Jesus and for Bartimaeus. blind man, the blind man, who I'm naming Bartimaeus because of another gospel. (laughs) So that's it, right? So here's the thing. If I really wanna hear somebody, if if I wanna be heard or I want to hear somebody else, what do I have to do with my translator? What do I have to do with my translator to hear somebody else, to understand their perspective? What do I have to do with my translation? I have to turn it off. I have, to, I have to let it go. I have to take it off and listen so that I can truly hear the other person, the other person's perspective. Now, so what does he do? I love Bartimaeus here, now that I've named him. He, I love him here because what does he do? He persists in his faith. (laughs) He doesn't quit in having faith and crying out. And it says he persisted all the more. He shouted all the more. That's his faith coming out. Why? Why is he shouting more? Because he believes in Jesus. (laughs) He believes what Jesus can do for him and he's not going to let the crowd silence him. He is not going to let the crowd be his translator. And he is going to say, Jesus, I need you have mercy on me. I am not going to stop asking and crying out for mercy, no matter what the crowd says. Now, that's his persistent. Earlier in Luke chapter 18, you actually see the parable that Jesus tells of the persistent widow going to the judge and, and, and Jesus says her persistence enabled the judge to what? Finally meet her justice and demands for justice. So he listens through her persistence. Again, here we see the blind man persisting in his faith, persisting in getting to Jesus. Again, this is a whole chapter on persistence. And so Jesus hears and Jesus wants to respond. And so Jesus, I I love this about Jesus because now here's the cool thing that happens. Maybe you don't think it's cool. Maybe it's just a pastor thing or or a biblical thing. What does Jesus do with the translators? Does he silence them? No. Jesus says to the crowd, because now he's hearing (laughs) the man, right? He's hearing him because his persistence. So Jesus says to the crowd, to the translators, bring him to me. This is what I love about this, is that Jesus doesn't just say to the translators, be quiet. (laughs) The crowd be quiet. He actually says, Crowd, I want you to be a part of the man's healing. Oh. I want you to stop your translation. I want you to turn off your translators. And I want you to be a part of the healing of this man. Huh. Is there something about us turning off our translators that will bring healing to people? Huh. Because that's what Jesus did. So Jesus actually asks, what do you want me to do for you? He says to the man, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Again, what Jesus is doing is he's, he's not translating the need. He's not saying, here's what you need. He's saying, he's asking, what do you need? How can I help you? He is listening fully to the blind man. He is available fully to the blind man. He is saying to the blind man, how can I help you? And then he has the crowd. And he's had the crowd, the translators, bring him to this. So Jesus' heart is to bring healing. Jesus' heart is to bring restoration and to respond to the cry of the man. And in that moment, his faith is not only heard but seen by Jesus. It's heard, right, by Jesus. His cries, his persistence, his faith is heard by Jesus. He is heard by Jesus because he believes in Jesus. There's that connection again. I would say to you that Jesus hears our cries. Wherever we're at, whatever we're experiencing, when I was working in youth for Youth for Christ, I started out. My first ministry uh, position was at Youth for Christ, and I was uh, the great thing about working for a nonprofit parachurch ministry organization is you have to raise your own salary. And it was a part time. I was a part time staff position, and I had been out, uh, you know, talking, and I've been trying to raise funds so I could go on staff part time with Youth for Christ and, my first attempt at ministry being involved in ministry uh and i was going through this uh fundraising time and this guy named mike bowles he was the groundskeeper at the golf course groundskeeper at the golf course and he he came up to me one day and he said matt i i heard i heard you had a financial need how can i help how much more do you need? And I told him the amount that I need, which I said, well, I've, so far we've raised, I've raised half of what I need. He pulls out his checkbook, opens it up, writes a check for the, other, the amount to get me from where I was to my goal. He filled that gap. He said, I'll pay the rest of it. He wrote a check and he gave it to me. He made a check out to Youth for Christ, not to me but he gave it to me, why, why did he do that? Because he heard, he heard there was a need and God put it on his heart to respond and I think that's how God works in our lives. We have to believe that God can provide, we have to believe there is a God, we have to believe and we actually have to cry out and confess that we have a need and you know what happens? God works through us, you, me, to respond to the cries of those in need. God asks us, the crowd, (laughs) to be a part of the restoration, to be a part of meeting the need, about being part of the response, to turn off our translators. And what does the man do when this all happens? He follows Jesus. If we want to make disciples, if we want to lead other people to Christ, then we're probably going to need to turn off our translators and bring healing to people that will then follow Jesus. Maybe that's why I'm a follower of Jesus today, because God heard my cry and continues to hear my cry, and God continues to respond through the hands and feet, through you and me and the people of God. Let's pray together. God, we come today to thank you. To thank you for being a God who wants to hear our cry. You don't dismiss it, you don't silence our cry, you don't say it doesn't matter. You hear us and you desire to respond to our cries. Thank you for sending Jesus, the one who pushed not just pushed aside the crowd, but invited the crowd into the healing, that invited the crowd to turn off its translation and to invite them to be a part of the healing of this man. God, we want to be your followers. We want our faith to be lived out in response to the cries around us. So Lord, help us to confess that we all need you and that there are others in our lives that need you and that we are to be the ones also being the hands and feet of Christ in this world. So God, we come to you and we confess our own confession, our own sin, our own translations that get in the way of us being you for others. I invite you now to just confess to God your own sins of omission, the places where God has asked you to do something and you didn't respond if there's that, if you can identify that confess that to god this morning god forgive us for the times we're too busy to respond God, forgive us for the times we're too angry to respond. God, forgive us for the times we're too apathetic or complacent to respond. And God, forgive us when we're just wanting to do something else and so we don't respond. And God, thank you that you sent Jesus, who has mercy on us, sinners, in need of grace. Thank you that when we confess our sins, you forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here today. Pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and cup that they may truly be for us the body and blood of Christ, so that when we leave here today, we can be the body and blood of Christ for the world, the hands and feet of Christ for the world around us who is, that is crying out in need. Thank you for pouring out yourself, Christ, into life, into our lives, and showing us the way and the truth and the life that is in Jesus Christ. We wanna live in that way and follow in that way. We wanna be your disciples. And so we come to you today, we come to this table today and we pray as your disciples, we pray as your followers, as you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.